Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. And I'm Dan's long-lost co-host, Hunter Mitchell. Today, we're going to talk about a recent initiative spearheaded by a Michigan Medicine team that has made an impact in our community. Now, before we get into that, be sure you go back and check out any episodes of The Wrap you may have missed. You can find the shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. New episodes can also be found on the Michigan Medicine YouTube channel and as part of the headlines we can review. With that, let's chat about a program that has helped neighbors hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic. The initiative came together as a result of some critical collaborations. First, can you introduce yourselves and tell us who you are and also a little bit about the agencies or organizations that you represent? Yes, my name is Raina Smith and I am the Director of Children's Services at SOS Community Services located in Ypsilanti. And we have, um, our program has actually been around for um, about 50 years. And um, so it's well established in Ypsilanti. We have a housing program that provides temporary shelter for larger families up to three months. Um, and they also offer uh, rapid rehousing, and we also have an eviction um, prevention program. Um, we then also have a resource center that is, um, I, I think, maybe the most known in Washtenaw County because we have the largest pantry, uh, which has served well during COVID. Um, and our, our pantry, you know, people can pull up and have the groceries uh, delivered to their car. Um, and then we also have resources, a social worker where they can come in and uh, get resources, whether it's for um, DTE or just needing, um, you know, anything for utilities, food, whatever it is. Um, and then we have my program where we have parents as teachers, and that is a home visiting program that works with families who have children zero to five. And we actually um, go into the home and work with them. Um, during COVID, we have been actually doing things over Zoom and then doing home deliveries for um, food, um, PPE items, whatever it is that they may need. Um, we also have a fatherhood program that works with fa the father figures that are in or out of the home. And that's for families who ha um, have children zero through the age of 17. So we want to you know, make sure that we are taking care of the home family. And that's just a little snippet of you know, what our children's services have, but I'll let the other people introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Angela Johnson. I uh, serve at Michigan Medicine across a few uh, departments or units. Uh, first, I'm a community outreach specialist with the Program for Multicultural Health, which is part of the Department of Community Health Services. Um, Community Health Services is a, is, a, is a industrious entity. It's a fairly comprehensive array of programs and services that provide support to community. It's community focused and community faced in all of the work that it does, centering community in, in all. Um, and the Community Health Services has many programs, I, far too many to list, Meals on Wheels for Ann Arbor is one of them. A volunteer services, um, Regional Alliance for Healthy Schools. Um, we have the Housing Bureau for Seniors, which provides supportive housing services for older adults in Washtenaw County. Um, there, are, there are a host of initiatives. Uniquely, the program for multicultural health 
Um, we work across the community to provide capacity building support through health outreach, health education, community research. Um, we, we provide a training and education to students, faculty, and staff within the institution, and as well um, provide collaborative um, health, uh, sort of public health practice initiatives that increase the ability of the community to experience best health outcomes. My second post um, that I hold is with uh, the Zero to Thrive program here at Michigan Medicine. And Zero to Thrive is a maternal mental health program situated in the Department of Psychiatry. So it is a research entity that also develops um, research interventions which support uh, families in the, with young children in the community. Um, Zero Thrive provides clinical care, training, education, and other expertise that support the mental health needs of families with young children. There's quite a bit encased in, in as well in Zero Thrive. But I, what I'd like most to say, if I have to highlight anything about uh, Zero Thrive, is that um, we recognize the period between pregnancy and early childhood as an especially sensitive time for uh, mitigating um, the uh, multi-generational effects of inequities and in trauma and um, promoting mental health. So I think that's, there's lots more to say, but that's the tip of the iceberg. Hi, I'm Octavia. Um, I was a participant in the SOS housing program as well as the parents and teachers program. Outstanding. Now, obviously there is so much work that, that all of you guys do. Um, and, and so I wanted to talk a little bit more about a specific recent initiative that you've launched to assist local community families. Can you talk about that initiative, what it was, its outcomes and the impact it's had? So uh, we've, the, the program for multicultural health um, has, has worked, you know, SOS has been one of our um, kind of flagship or key community partners for, for some time. We've done work with SOS around providing educational, health educational support for the families that SOS serves. Um, it's, you know, that's been truly a rewarding part of the work that we did. But one of the things we, we, we noticed and um, sort of leads into the description of the, the initiative is that we saw the, the, during the pandemic, this sort of devastating impact um, that, was, that was both kind of, I think a result of the, the pandemic as a public health crisis with all of the uh, devastating disease and death that was occurring, but also the sort of repercussions of um, the, uh, they're calling it the racial reckoning, right? This sort of um, intensified awareness of and response to um, social injustice, which has prevailed in our, in our country for, for a long time. Um, but, but some of the intensified um, oppressive oppression from institutional forces, and then the public outcry that ensued as a result and pushback. So during the pandemic, with all of this happening, um, we um, learned through our work with Raina and her wonderful team and um, others in the community that there were increased havoc being wrecked on the families that, that were being served. Um, and that, um, things such as economic 
fall out of lost wages, homelessness, and Rain is, Rain is really going to talk a lot more about this, and she's the boots on the ground and the community expert. But what we were witnessing from her purview is this increased um, need that families were experiencing as a result of what we know now we say is a double pandemic. So as a result, we um, started talking a lot at the latter part of last year and doing a little bit of work to raise some of the um, essentials, the, the, the needs that uh, families with, with the new and expectant families, the families who were giving birth during the period of the fall and to the end of the year, were experiencing um, lots of in, increased need with, with baby supplies. Simplic simplicity of baby supplies were in short supply. And you can imagine with the supply chain um, issues that we now are more fully aware of that plus the economic conditions which were worsening during the pandemic that families were going without. Um, we decided um, across multiple community partners that we could do something to help alleviate the, um, the difficulties that families were experiencing. So we embarked with Raina's blessing and her guidance and um, leadership in terms of explicitly highlighting what families needed. We launched a baby supply drive, a baby, baby supply uh, drive initiative to collect, to gather, to work across our, our many partners and to um, pull together some of the basic needs that um, families with, with new babies and, and parents to be were, were, um, were needing really just, just to live, basic supplies. So I don't know if that says enough. So as Angela said, um, before the pandemic, you know, our families and the community had a lot of needs. Um, and then during the pandemic, everything just intensified. Um, and I want to say like times 100 or more, um, you know, when you normally we have families that come in that are, they may be homeless. Um, there might be um, issues with DTE, um, diapers, but then during a pandemic, it's even worse because now you have families who may be homeless and may be afraid to go to the shelter, you know, because of uh, COVID. Um, families that may be living in their cars and need diapers, um, and then shelters were full. I mean, it was just one thing after another, um, we have a lot of families. During that time, we had a lot of pregnant families and they were um, afraid to you know, go out. So we were making deliveries to a lot of families. And during that time, we would take um, an assessment of different things that they would need. And we found that you know, diapers, families needed diapers. Um, even more than before, diapers, wipes, um, moms that were um, homeless and trying to prepare for their um, child to, you know, come into this world and, and not having anything, um, not a diaper bag, not any bottles, um, no information on um, breastfeeding. You know, they wanted to speak to people that they could trust. And um, it, so we, did an assessment of the families that we um, saw in our program. And I made a list and spoke with um, Angela 
and they did this wonderful drive. And when I say we had, um, well, first of all, we, we had a, I think Angela, didn't we have a, a baby shower before? Um, we also had a baby shower before um, earlier in the year. And it was just amazing because we had, I think it was 16 moms on that call. And we actually had 16 baby girls born and one boy because it was a set of twins. <laughs> one boy. <laughs> and all of the um, items that came, you know, from U of M, it was such a blessing. I mean, the, the diaper bags that had the um, the diapers in them and the, and the bottles. I mean, everything that the parents asked for, it was there, everything. Um, parents that were moving into new homes, they were able to get the bassinets, which was wonderful because, you know, they didn't have a lot of space and they couldn't have big cribs. And so they were able to have, you know, their children in that um, bassinet. Um, what was really something is that we had dads, you know, we have a fatherhood program and some of our fathers have their children from birth um, and they are the sole um, provider and, and um, parent for that child. And they said, well, you know, we don't have anything. There's nothing for us. And I said, you know what? We have, we have a diaper bag because they even had like the diaper bags that aren't pink and all that, you know, they were like, oh, okay. And I can just throw this over my arm and I, yeah, just throw it over your arm. And so they were able to, you know, have their diaper bags full and, and take part in the items as well. Um, and, and during this time, you know, again, we've had increased homelessness, um, a lot of premature births. Out of those 16 babies, I wanna say at least 14 of them were premature. Okay, and this is during COVID. Um, we also have a lot of families with mental health issues um, that needed to be addressed. But, you know, during that time, it's like, okay, no, what, what are we going to do? We, who are we going to trust? Um, and a lot of families um, self-medicate, you know, just a lot of people, period, in, in, in the community are self-medicating. And so this pandemic has brought out a crisis that was already going on. And, um, you know, I, I, I am sorry that we had this pandemic, but I am thankful for the resources that, that has come about out of this pandemic to be able to help families who are in need. Because even though we are touching so many families in this community, there's so many more that needs to be, um, you know, resourced. Yes. I just want to piggyback a little bit on what Raina said because this this just inspiring. It, it was such a pleasure. We we had such support across the many units at Community Health Ser Services to support the drive. I think people were um, uh, enthusiastic because this gave them the opportunity to 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 give the um, sort of intrinsic pushback to the to the to the negative. Um, effects that the pandemic had. It gave people sort of a purpose and a point to serve and to support someone who was in greater need. So it was truly a pleasure. Um, in all my years as a, as a practicing, a trained medical sociologist and public health professional in the community, working with families for you know, more than 20 years, one of the things I will say, I, I hadn't seen such um, 
a sort of abundance of enthusiastic response. And that short a period of time, because I think we, we ran the drive in community health services for a month and just collected, you know, bassinets and pack and plays. Uh, people were calling me and saying, well, I have, I know you asked for new. I have, I just had a baby six months ago. Would you accept clothes that my baby never used or outgrew already, right? And it's this kind of outpouring of love and support. And I think this is people's response, not just to uh, what could have been, you know, community support in an ordinary day, but the pushback um, to what the pandemic has done to really hurt families. So, and, you know, the health of society is never better than, than the health of mothers and babies. So I think people fully valued and recognize that and responded. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, so this is directed at Octavia here. Uh, can you share with us a little bit about how the baby supply drive impacted you? Um, so far, I'm one of like the newer participants and being honest, it does mean a lot to them because a lot to me to have them bring stuff to you instead of having to go out because transportation is one of the biggest things about, you know, when you're coming out of homelessness, when you're in homelessness, transportation is your enemy because you just don't have it. There's no way. And them bringing stuff to you, they brought me clothes, diapers, wipes, even they even brought me um uh, like art sets, like little art supplies kits for my kids. They, like, they, it's, it's like these little things that you don't think about to distract you or to keep you busy, keep the kids busy, something where you can interact with your kids, you know, which is the parents as teacher, the parents as teacher program them into. It just, it really does a lot for you. It really does like take the stress off you. I think you're able to focus better as a parent when you don't have this other stress of diapers, wipes, clothes, I gotta get this, I gotta get that. That's what's running through your mind a lot. Like 90% of your stress when you're uh, coming out of homelessness with kids or when you're just struggling as a parent in general comes from not having resources to provide for your kids. Yeah, and, and I think that, well, to your point too, though, that I love that it sort of went beyond just the basic needs, right? Where it goes beyond just the wipes and the diapers and the food. And you can, you know, to have it, it's so important to mental health and other, you know, areas of health to have a holistic life right and to be able to do art and arts and crafts with your kids or just get them involved that's the way they learn too right have you noticed that yeah absolutely absolutely like if you're trying to teach your kids something if you're trying to prepare your kids like when my kids are in preschool when my children's head uh, head start you want to kind of do as much as you can to give them some type of ground before they enter into the school so having them sit down for X amount of time to do this craft or to, to do like they provide little piece paper like with ideas of stuff you do with the art supplies, you know, they give us like watercolors and some really messy like pastels. It's really like, it, it helps, prepare, helps you prepare your kid to be able to follow along with the rest of the class. It, it just gives you something to, you know, give them a foundation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's clear that your every I mean, this work helps ensure vital support for families who are in need of housing and healthy food. How does this factor into care or support for patients at Michigan Medicine, and why does this matter from a healthcare or health system perspective? I'll take a first stab at the question, and thank you, Hunter. That's an excellent question. Uh, one of the things I I think I began hearing when I started 
um, some years ago here at Michigan Medicine, is this tendency to refer to community as the other. Is it, the, oh, we're gonna do some community work out there. Um, and then in the meanwhile, in here, we'll do this other thing. But what I you know, consistently and constantly reminded colleagues and folks of is that our, the community that we serve, particularly those in the local community, and we know um, as well in folks, um, patients who come from all other parts of Michigan and even other states, that community are also, community members are also patients here. Um, oftentimes, we know from some of the written, written feedback that we collect from participants and many of our uh, program for multicultural health programs, our Zero Thrive programs, um, written feedback from health cafes, from service to uh, agencies like SOS to um, health sparks programs, at least half of our participants are Michigan medicine patients, which means then we're not just serving you know, quote unquote patients and the sort of, um, they don't exist in a vacuum. They are indeed the people who, um, who, who visit our walls of the institution and who uh, receive care here as patients or at St. Joe, one of our other vital community partners or uh, Packard Health Clinic or uh, the corner, right? So there's this kind of serving the communities, really serving our patients. And serving patients and serving community, understanding that the two are one and the same, really means that you fully recognize um, the value, the importance of um, the social determinants of health, that there are social factors that shape and predict health. It's not just that medical um, circumstance that a person, individual might find themselves in. It's that the um, all of the what public health practitioners know where we live, where we work and where we play decides, decides health um, and decides um, outcomes also. So um, I think, you know, that's, I think that's the, the, the significance of understanding the importance of the, you know, where medicine, where healthcare and community work come together. Um, that, and, and really a lot of our work here at PMCH, and I know, uh, Raina thinks this way too, lots of our work um, is premised on this idea that in order to optimize health education and health promotion strategies, the, the, the other work that we do in the community, the screen, uh, pre-health screenings that we do, Ipsy Fest in the summer, under the health tent, the um, health cafes that are operating in some of the um, housing sites. In order to optimize those strategies, there are some other circumstances that um, have to sort of be positively in place that, you know, safe neighborhoods exist for people to walk around and experience physical activity, that there's access to trusted healthcare providers for both physical as well as mental health support, that there's healthy food and ready proximate access to it, uh, unbiased treatment by a criminal justice system. I mean, there's just, there's kind of this plethora of other social um, and environmental issues and factors that have to be in place in order for people to experience good health. And those factors sort of are shaped out in the community. Our community uh, members are our patients. Yeah, I think it's really important. One of the first things you just touched on there is, and I've noticed this obviously working in the Department of Communication, but language is so important. 
And the way you sort of phrase that where a lot of times we talk about the community as separate from Michigan medicine, but I, I feel like in communications recently, we've tried to say our community, like we are a part of it, right? And I think that's so important to sort of think about where not only are the people we're helping some of our patients, they might be some of our employees too, you know? And we are all part of this big ecosystem and the, the healthier the community is, the healthier our organization will be. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Daniel, as far as, um, you know, employees also being a part, um, you know, with our, our program that we have, um, I know I'm on the board for St. Joseph Hospital as well, and we have families that go to St. Joe, families that go to Packard Health, um, and to U of M, and these are families that also work at these institutions. And, you know, it's something because, you know, we, we talk about, um, like you said, you know, the, the, the communities and we are all one community. And, and, I, and I really appreciate the, um, the partnership that, you know, U of M and St. Joe has um, along with Packard Health to be able to serve the community and to be able to do so in a way um, that they are focusing on equity and um, um, being able to look at what is needed, you know, the community assessments, because I'm not sure what it was like, what, maybe four or five years ago, but looking at things now um, during COVID and, um, you know, the time that we're in, it just seems that the health um, the, the health field that I'm talking about, um, what is that, U of M, St. Joe, and Packard Health, they have really stepped up in the community. And, you know, when, if you don't have good health care, I, th I think everything else is, is, is just a fail. I, I don't care where you're at. Um, you need to have good health care. And that's something that we um, express with our families. You know, we have group connections and we have doctors from, um, different agencies come out to speak to our families about um, healthcare with their children, you know, because during the pandemic, um, families did not want to go to the doctor. You know, like, oh, no, we can't go to the doctor because you can, you know, something can happen. Um, we had moms afraid to even give birth. You know, we have moms at home going into labor and because they're afraid. And so getting that education from um, our healthcare providers and, and taking um, a serious look at how they operate in the community where we all live has really been a help um, for the families that we serve. And I always say the families that we serve because that's what I look at it as. You know, we are serving others to, um, to bring everyone to a place of security and um, you know, being able to function in this um, community. So how can our listeners learn more about these programs and initiatives that you guys work with? And, and you know, I know a lot of them are probably going to want to reach out to help. So how can others get involved and learn more? So for SOS Community Services, we have um, our website, which is soscs.org. 
Um, we also have our development uh, director, Barbara Cecil, um, that she can be contacted in regards to um, volunteering or, you know, however people would like to help out. Um, they can contact me. I have the children's department. And our main number is 734-485-8730. I think the best way to uh, reach out and contact, uh, so I have really two veins of contact, for um, community health services, I did write down, for more information about community health services and the many, many programs, I mean, Program for Multicultural is just one of many. Um, you could find more information, first of all, on the web at our uh, www.uofmhealth.org slash program for multicultural health. And that's multicultural health specific. There is also, you can find uh, uh, more information on the web for the Department of Community Health Services has a web page. And then within that, you'll see lots of other programmatic um, entities. Um, we also have a Facebook page for Program for Multicultural Health. So you can find out about some of the um, artifacts and initiatives that are taking place that we're involved in. Uh, for Zero to Thrive programs that are um, robustly operating and connected to community, there is an online, there's a page online at uh, Zero to Thrive, zero in the word T-O, Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E dot org. Or you could you know, reach out to myself, um, at angjohn at med.umich.edu. My telephone number is 734-998-5796. Um, the director of community health services, she's always uh, open and welcome to hear feedback. Uh, Ms. Alfreda Rooks, who um, is heavily engaged in all of our work, would love to hear feedback from folks. I, I would be amiss if I did not mention our director, our wonderful executive director, Rhonda Weathers, who has, is leading this, this ship that we are on. Um, and she is always available to reach out to at the same number that I gave. But I just wanna thank all of the numerous generous donors who, rec who really came, stepped up and recognized the value that we saw in supporting families with their very tangible needs, um, as social determinants of health and for taking action to address those needs by participating and supporting the 2022 Community Baby Supply Drive. We hope to do it again for 2023. Excellent. Well, thank you so much to all three of you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about the Baby Supply Drive and other ongoing initiatives, go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. And while you're there, check out other featured stories from this past week. For instance, Headlines celebrated Women's History Month with a closer look at a significant day in the operating rooms as the first ever all-female team led a liver transplant procedure. And Michigan Medicine veteran Hillary King looked back at her 40 years of service working for the organization. Find all those stories and more at mmheadlines.org. Alrighty, Dan, that Hillary King story got me thinking, where do you picture yourself in 40 years? Oh boy, 40 years from now, huh? Um, I, I hope I'm not still working for the organization, no offense to Michigan Medicine, but I hope to be very much retired by then, um, and preferably somewhere warm where, uh, you know, in the middle of winter, I don't have to go out and, uh, 
wheel through the streets of snow. So uh, that's sort of my plan is to go retire somewhere warm. How about you? Where are you going to be in uh, the year 2062? I probably won't be far. Yeah, I slipped on my porch this morning. It like rained ice overnight. So yep, I'm yep. very done with it at this age right now. But yeah, I don't know. And, and I'm thinking, you know, about that question with video, like, you know, I don't know where video is going to be. So it's exciting. It's exciting to think about it. I'm excited for all the opportunities to learn to see what happens in the future. Probably VR, though. I'm thinking yeah, probably it's all virtual reality, right? Yep. Um, all right. It's time for the weekly trivia contest. Last week, we asked listeners. How many U of M medical students learned their residency destination on match day? The answer is 157. Congratulations to Carly Hendy, who sent in the correct answer. Now for this week's question, here's Hunter. This week's question is, when was the first liver transplant performed at Michigan Medicine? Once again, when was the first liver transplant performed at Michigan Medicine? You can find that answer in this week's headline story. And once you know it, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu. For a chance to win a prize. That's all the time we have for this week. Thank you to all of our guests for being here today and sharing your stories. And thanks, as always, to all of our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week. <laughs>